you're listening to The South Stands, a Buckeye football podcast by Ohio State fans for Ohio State fans on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, and SoundCloud. As uh, several of you guys were not able to participate in our immediate reaction podcast on Sunday morning, we wanted to give you, uh, Chad, Tim, Mike, uh, an opportunity to um, to chime in with your your thoughts on Ohio State's extremely disappointing 29-23 semifinal loss to Clemson. Yeah, I'm just going to start here uh, because I think this is where all you guys want to go. I'm going to start with this question, and Tim, I'm going to start with you. The question is, was Ohio State the better team in that game? Uh, and the, the answer is unequivocally. They were, they were the better team and are the better team. Uh, they had, uh, in spite of all of the mistakes that they made and all the things that they had go against them, they scored a touchdown for which they were not given fucking credit. <laughs> and that's the difference in the game. We lost by six. We would have scored seven points. At the end of the day, we beat the shit out of them. And, and in spite of all the mistakes, it took a basically last-minute touchdown by them to win the game. So, in in my in my opinion, we were by far the better team, and we got completely fucking screwed by the refs, by ESPN, by the whole thing. Go back, go back to the last week of the season when we beat Penn State, Michigan, and Wisconsin in consecutive weeks, and get dropped to number two. And if you ask me, the ESPN owns the playoffs. ESPN owns the ACC network and ESPN owns the SEC network. And so what do we have here? We have a semifinal game, which is shaping up to be the ACC versus the SEC. So what happens? They drop us and they give the SEC the easier game. They give us the tougher game. And now what they have magically is an ACC SEC final on ESPN. Anyone who doesn't believe that this was completely fucking orchestrated isn't looking at the facts. <laughs> so there is no doubt that we got fucking screwed. All right. Okay. I, you know, Tim, that was kind of stilted. I want you to speak with a little bit more passion and give us your take. Really give us your take. And quit mincing your words, Tim. It's, uh, tell us how you really but, feel. Guys, it, it's fucking outrageous. I mean, now the guy's changing his story about the fucking call. The guy mm-hmm. took, caught the ball, took three fucking steps. And then, and then the rule is there has to be indisputable evidence to overturn. This is nothing but in dispute. The call on the field was the correct call. Yeah, it was. They blew it. And, 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 and they blew it. They completely fucking blew it. Yeah. In every aspect of that call and that play, they blew it. Well, and you've had uh, you've had rules experts and uh, other officials. I think you had the big the head of the Big Ten officials weighing in on this. And I think uh, I I think you know the 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 consensus uh, is that that was a blown call and it should not have been overturned. And and Fuller's scoop and score should certainly have counted. Um, I, I think that was definitely a, a blown call for sure. Now now let's go back to the Wade targeting because that's the other bad call. It's actually not a bad call. If you want to go by the letter of the law, fine. It was helmet to helmet. However, the problem with it is that the rule 
is stupid and needs to be redone. And people have been saying this since they came out with the rule. I agree. There's a difference. There's a difference between, I don't know if you guys saw the uh, Oklahoma LSU game. I did. There was a targeting call yeah. in the, in the yeah. beginning of that game where literally that defensive back had a chance to go tackle Burrow and instead took a cheap shot at a running back who was coming out of the backfield and was going to block, didn't see him coming, and took his head off. Yeah. And it was, he completely leveled him. Okay, that is targeting with intent. That guy should get tossed. This play was not targeting with intent. And the rules need to be changed because it's a stupid fucking rule. And things like this happen all the time. You're running full speed at somebody. Lawrence puts his head down, and it happens to be helmet to helmet. That's as much Lawrence's fault as it was Wade's. So you cannot toss players for that. And also, like, in that that specific scenario, it's like, do you really want to be that punitive? Yeah. on something that is that borderline and go by the letter law rather than something that's going to have a dire effect of the game. Like to yeah. me, it's like there, it was obvious. And to me, it wasn't even Wade's hit that stir him up. It was Chase Young trying to twist his head off at, at the end of that play. That, <laughs> that put him on his back a little bit. If Chase doesn't touch him, then I, I bet she bounces right back up. Yeah. And that, and that is something from someone who's not on the field to make that call, to have that kind of staying power to make that call is, is what I totally agree with Tim. There's something called malicious intent, and there's something that's accidental. It's like, coincidentally enough, roughing the punter. Mm-hmm. You know, which got, that was another bad call. Yeah. Well, well so, so I'm, I'm all for players. So, sorry, right, one, I was sorry. just going to say I'm all, I'm all for player safety. And, and, I, and I, clearly that's why we have this rule, but I believe it was poorly conceived. It's way too black and white. There's no room for nuance. And if, you know, for many, many years in football, we had two different face mask calls. There was incidental, and then there was the personal foul version. We have two uh, ru- uh, roughing the kicker calls. One's running into the kicker five yards. One's a personal foul for 15 yards. Why can't we have two variations or two grades of targeting, right? An incidental that maybe comes with a 10-yard penalty and no player ejection and maybe a warning. And then the more severe kind, like the one, Tim, you're describing in the first semifinal between Oklahoma and LSU. Chad, was that you that was going to make a comment? Yeah. Go ahead. What I have a problem with with the interpretation of the rule is Lawrence bent down. He ducked down. Mm -hmm. So he was not a defensive player. Okay? So he, like, the only reason that they went helmet to helmet is because he buckled down. Mm-hmm. That's that. So that's a big interpretation of that fucking rule, which is total fucking bullshit. Mm-hmm. That call well, didn't have happened. And you know what? And I and I loved the the, the tweet that uh, Ari Wasserman sent out. Yeah, of course. We had so many opportunities that we fucking blew, like the roughing the punter. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, drop catches by Dobbins, this and that. But I'm telling you what, man, those calls turned the game because Clemson had night. Like we, we would take that touchdown and return it. That fucking game going into like, or halftime, I, it, they have no momentum. We have all the juice and we would have just, we would have blown them out. Mm-hmm. Chad, any other thoughts? Yeah, by the way, Chad, the, the other thing about that, I totally agree with you, Chad. Let's take a look at what, what Trevor Lawrence is. First of all, he's not defenseless. Second of all, he has a fucking offensive line in front of him. Exactly. Okay. He is the he is the opposite of defenseless. He is nothing but defended. Yeah. 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 But but guys, I hate the call too. But he did lead with the, the helmet. It wasn't helmet to helmet. It's the fact that when a guy goes in, 
head down, head first like that, they're going to call it every time. I, I look, mm-hmm. it, yeah, he I'm went, not but just, he was good. He was going for his, like, his shoulder. He wasn't going for his fucking head. And I, I, dude, he, I, I don't care if he's going for his hip. If you lead with the hel- the crown of your helmet, they're going to call that. And by the Yeah, way, but it's possible to put a hit on somebody without leading down with your – got to lower your head. It's just where does your head go? You know, what does it hit? And incidentally, it hit Yeah, like what is it? The other guy's helmet. Wrestling? I mean, like, didn't mean to do it, though. Yeah. They are going to change this rule. I bet you we're going to see a change in the rule. A lot of people were talking about that. Yeah, unfortunately, it went against us. Yeah, but that that the call the call the fumble is what pisses me off more than anything because that was a fucking catch. Helen Keller could have fucking interpreted yeah. as a catch. That I think is a little more. Yeah, I don't know about that one. I oh, uh, I saw that fucking ball. He took three. I wanted that touchdown ball. too. He took a couple, and you know, I didn't think they could overturn it because you know. The ruling on the field. Yeah, the ruling on the field was a but, fumble in uh, return for a touchdown. I, I, I think, yeah. I, I mean, personally, enough rules experts and enough head of officiating crews have weighed in on Twitter, on the internet, on television, and uh, by a very wide margin, many of them have said that should not have been overturned, that it was a fumble. Um, so well, I, I think that was that was the between the two calls, the, the way targeting and, and that call, that was the one that was very badly officiated. I think according to the, the letter of the rule, the targeting on Wade was correctly officiated. Now, the problem is because there isn't two grades of that call, there isn't two variations of it, there's no room for the official, the, re, the replay official to make a judgment call there because there's only one way to officiate it. And, and the right. rule does need to change. Mike, you just made that point, and we may have taken a very large step toward changing that rule or adding a little more nuance or variation there. Right. Yeah, well, so, also like, yeah, guy in the booth, yeah, why, don't you just shut, why don't you just shut the fuck up until someone asks for your opinion? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so Mike, I, I wanted to get your, your thoughts. What was, what, was Ohio state the better team in your, in your, uh, your view? I would say, you know, I thought it was pretty evenly matched. I do think we were the better team. I think if we played them again, we'd beat them. I'd love to play them again. Um, we let it slip through. You know, I was listening to the first half, uh, first half of the podcast about how those field goals in the, in the first half just murdered us. Yeah. Uh, you know, Fields just missed Dobbins by a hair, or that was a touchdown. And, uh, we, you know, this, we've seen red zone issues in the last couple games, though. Wisconsin, we saw a little bit of it in the, you know, when we got that black punt. Michigan, a little bit. And so I'm not surprised that Clemson's defense stiffened there. But we own the first quarter. They own the second and a lot of the third. The fourth was, was even, except for that last defensive series, which, you know, I'm sure you guys went over. Mm-hmm. Um, but we still, we had a, ch- I really thought we were good. You know what I was, I was thinking, don't score too fast <laughs> when we were coming down the field like that. Yeah. And I, you know, Dobbins was open in the mail. I know Sloan, you said he was, you know, you're having nightmares about him, you know, catching the ball and getting on at least a 10, that would have been perfect. And we would have punched it in and, and just, and won it with, you know, 10 seconds to go. That's the way it would, it should have ended. And, uh, I mean, the refs didn't tell. There was no conspiracy on, on having Olave, uh, you know, improvise on that last play. 
You know, yeah, <laughs> you that was a mental mistake. Post, it was a mental you mistake. You would have caught that ball, and they couldn't have done anything. The, the ESPN, no. the SEC, but, they couldn't have done that, nothing about it. They shouldn't have been in that position to begin with. That's the point. Hmm. Well, you know, you, you can make an argument that one play can change the, the game, and one, two, and a game that evenly matched. One, two, three plays can make all the difference. I don't disagree with that. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I don't know about all the other stuff. I mm-hmm. thought, uh, I well, thought we Mike, had it. Let me ask you this, Mike. Said, do you find it, do you find it at least a little curious that we're in Arizona, we're playing an ACC team and we have an SEC re- officiating crew. Did you find that a little fishy? Uh, no, I, we had an SEC officiating crew. Okay. And so, what what officiating crew would you want? Big Twelve, Pac-12 I don't know. Twelve or Pac Twelve, Twelve, something's around that area. You can't something have a Big that, Ten. You can't have an ACC. Yeah, yeah. you have the Pac Twelve. You have the Pac Twelve. You have something that's further away from. Why does the SEC want? Yeah. yeah. Why do they want Clemson in there again? Yeah, they just Instead kicked Alabama's ass last year, right? Because we're the better team. Yeah. They so, want us out because we're the better team. Yeah, I don't know. I'm not following all that. Yeah, and I don't buy that either. I don't. I don't buy the conspiracy uh, by the the SEC officiating crew. I I don't. I mean, they they blew a call. They blew a big call on the on the scoop and score by Jordan Fuller. That that is true. Uh, there were three replay reviews that all went against Ohio State. One was on the Dobbins uh, touchdown reception that was correctly reversed. He trapped the ball on the ground. Uh, the other was the targeting on on Wade, which unfortunately. The way the rule is written today was correctly officiated. That sucked, but they they officiated that correctly. The only the one of the three that they they goofed was the scoop and score by Fuller. I don't have any. I'm not going to argue that at all. You know, Tim, you've got a point there. That's seven points in a close game that we lose by six. That certainly could have made a difference. Would have made a difference. I, I don't I don't doubt that. But you know, in the last three and a half minutes, Ohio State had an opportunity to end the game with Clemson at their own four-yard line, having to march the length of the field for the go-ahead score, and they let him march down in four fucking plays to take the lead. Even still, you march down the field at the Clemson 23, and there's a mental mistake by your best wide receiver, one of our smartest players, that leads to a game-ending touchdown or game-ending interception. We had our opportunities we could have won in spite of all that, and we and we didn't take advantage of them. We we let two major opportunities slip through our fingers in the last three minutes. If you have an opponent pinned inside their five yard line and they have to go the length of the the field to score the the game winning touchdown, I know they have Trevor Lawrence. I know they're good. That defense, that Ohio State defense, is in the top three of every defensive stat that matters, and you get sliced up in four plays for the game. Go ahead. Exactly. They only needed a game winning field goal. Yeah, okay, so, uh, right, which makes it even more egregious. I mean, I, I just feel like, you know, they had the opportunities well, and they, they squandered them, you know? That's that's an opportunity that if you're ready for that moment, if you're if you're the better team, you're supposed to make the stop there. And if you're, if you're able to drive down the field, you're at the 23-yard line, your best wide receiver can't make that mental mistake. Clemson didn't do that, by the way. They didn't make any mental mistakes like that. They didn't. They didn't commit any stupid, costly penalties like plowing into the kicker, and several others. They didn't do that. Ohio State did, and they did it more than once. And and I would even say that the, their mis Ohio State's miscues, missed opportunities, mental mistakes outweighed 
the offic- the controversial officiating officiating in this game. Uh, Z, my well, only problem with, my only problem with that is though that fumble for a, a, a touchdown that was reversed. We we they wouldn't have, we would have been like we would have been up what I, I don't know the exact score. Sloan or help me out here. I think we would have been up by what, I have two. 10 we, or, no two. Yeah, we were losing at that stage. That would have put us up two. 23-21. We were losing 21-16 at that stage. Okay. So we would have okay. gone up to... We held, though, and then several series later, we, we scored the go-ahead score and went up 23-21. We actually overcame that bad call. Right. We bowed up. We played good by defense. No means, and then, by, no, I'm not, by no means am I trying to blame the referees, but there were some fucked up calls. Yes, we did. We, you know, we had uh, so many stupid mental errors. It was just... just you can't just, do that. It was... No, you can't. You can't oh, have right. that stuff. But, Paige, why don't but, you go ahead? Zach, to, to your point, right? And again, yes, we made too many mistakes. But Clemson, you know, and I was thinking about this, and you're right, Clemson didn't make those mistakes. But actually they did when that guy fumbled the ball. And so the fact that it got erased, you know, doesn't change the fact that it, you know, yeah. he still made a, a bad error there. And in a game like this, it made the difference. Yeah. And so, you know, to, to, to sit here and, and say, well, we made all these mistakes and they made none. Well, if you get those erased by the officials, then that, that argument doesn't really hold up as much. Yeah. Good point, Pace. Yeah. Well, so, okay, you look at the box score. Let's look at the box score. Uh, total yards, Ohio State. Passing yards, Ohio State. Rushing yards, Ohio State. Time of possession, Ohio State. First downs, Ohio State. All those numbers favored Ohio State. And even going into the game, we talked about how Ohio State was the far more talented team, right? According to the 24-7 team talent composite. Actually, according to that, Ohio State was the most talented team in the playoff field, not just in this game. So Ohio State led in all those categories. I mean, you could make a very strong argument, according to those numbers, that they were the better team. Now, Ohio State also led the game, in my opinion, in mental mistakes, untimely penalties, failure to capitalize in the red zone. They had four trips inside the Clemson 25-yard line and came away with three field goals and a game-ending interception. Missed tackles in the open field, dropped passes. Dobbins dropped two touchdown passes. Now, one, I'm not going to blame him too much. That would have been a hell of a catch. It was a diving catch. He couldn't hang on. But there was a screen play on Ohio State's last trip into the red zone at the end Mm. of the, the second half. He had a convoy in front of him, and he dropped it. He just fucking dropped it. That's a touchdown. Clemson didn't have any of those plays. They didn't drop touchdown passes. We did. So I, I think if, if you're talking about the better team, it can't just be winning the statistical battle. There are the intangibles. And, and Clemson won in, in all the intangible areas. Clemson had the edge. And they did just enough in the statistical department to hang with Ohio State. That's why I say there's still a slim margin between these two programs. And, and, and I can't. Ohio State is now 0-3 in the last six years against Clemson. Three postseason losses, two in the playoffs. If you guys want to make the argument that Clemson, that we were the better team, that's fine. I can't do that. I, I, I got to see a W here. Give me a W before we can start making that argument. Otherwise, it's just like, it's just like a Penn State fan telling us that they were the better program because they played us tight in 2017 and 2018. I mean, they blew double-digit leads in the fourth quarter of both of those games. And outplayed us for most of those games. Uh, but we ended up winning. And the takeaway wasn't that Penn State was the better program and just blew it. The takeaway was Ohio State was the better program and they found a way to win. And I kind of feel like we're, we're trying to make this argument 
that a Penn State fan would make after those two games. They were just slightly better. It's really fucking close. They're just slightly better. That's just the way I see it. And Zach, I agree with you. You make a great point. I was actually thinking not only of Penn State, but also of Michigan, where, hey, you you can't jump off sides when we're punting, right? Right. You know, and give us a fresh set of downs. And we we made those errors. Mm -hmm. Where I quibble with you, though, is team to team, program to program. Yes, there's no debate that they have had a better run. And, you know, we are a notch below them. But I'm just saying this team versus that team Mm -hmm. and the the, the amount of just things that went against us and the mental mistakes, and we still probably should have won that game. I don't see how you draw the conclusion that they're the better team. I get it. You've got to win the fucking game. I agree with you. And so, but. I would take my chances against them any day of the week. Yeah. And, uh, I, like I said, slim, I said a slim margin. I, I, I don't even think it's a notch between the two programs. I think it's a very slim margin. And, you know, I hate... I, I, a hair. Just a hair. Uh, it's a hair. I, you know, again, look at the last three minutes of the game. To me, that really illustrated the margin. If you want to look at just one thing... Each team had a possession in the final three minutes to win the game, to score the go-ahead touchdown. Clemson converted their opportunity in four plays. And Ohio State threw an interception in the end zone because of a mental mistake by one of our best, smartest players. That's the margin. That's it. That's the, it's very thin. But when it came to the, the, the very important intangibles that you need to win a championship, Clemson won out in virtually every single one of them. Like, I was just really fucking disappointed with the way that we handled ourselves after the Wade ejection. Like, it was a bad break. It sucked. But, I mean, if you look at, like, that happened with 4.47 to go in the second quarter. And this is how Ohio State responded until the half. Pass interference penalty by Amir Reap. Travis Etienne escapes several Ohio State tacklers in the backfield, including first-team All-Big Ten safety Jordan Fuller, who had him dead to rights to score an eight-yard touchdown followed by a three and out by the Ohio State offense. The Ohio Ohio State offensive line dominated the first half in the trenches. And J.K. Dobbins gets stuffed on third and one. They got to punt the ball away again. Then a 67-yard touchdown run by Trevor Lawrence, where Josh Proctor got juked out of his jock. And then another another three and out by the Ohio State offense. Then the half, it's a 16-14 game. I was so fucking disappointed with the way we handled that. You, if you're a championship team, you don't compound a bad break with penalties, missed tackles, and three and outs. I was really disappointed. And I was disappointed in the fans, too. The fans around me were just kept booing and booing long after the fact. I'm like, how about cheering? Get behind this team instead of wallowing in, in the misfortune here. There was this woe, of, woe is us mentality in the stands. It was just fucking it was really disappointing. So I, I want to see Ohio State. I would have liked to see them bounce back the way they did after the fuller scoop and score was overturned they bowed up they got the stop they just and they they ended up scoring the go-ahead touchdown on a ballsy fourth and two uh touchdown pass to to a lobby now that's the team i want to see that's the championship team i wanted to see more of that team and we didn't see enough of them and that's why we lost this fucking game but that that and that's all true and fair but one of the biggest factors in college football games are emotion and momentum. Yeah. And 
Mm-hmm. It, and against a team like Clemson, I, I don't think you can fully expect them to dominate, you know, for four quarters. No, and uh-uh. the way the ejection, which I agree was the right call, um, it really took the wind out of their sails. And to, momentum is such a force multiplier. Mm-hmm. And so it, it's not surprising to me that it literally took them a quarter and a half. Maybe too long. Two too long. 21 zip. A 21 zip well, Clemson run. It took them too long. It, you know what? It's not going to happen. If that's that ha- what happens, though, with momentum. That's what happens. And it was a gigantically critical momentum swing that a high state got it back. ultimately couldn't recover from. Yeah. Well, um, I thought I, they got it back in the fourth quarter. They got it back in the fourth quarter. They did. They did eventually right the ship, but it took longer than it should have. You shouldn't have had to blow a 16-point lead completely and let him go on a 21 nothing run. I just felt it took too long. Um, and, and I would not, I would bet my, the house that if they're in the, a similar position in the playoffs next year, they'll know how to respond differently. The, and, and they will. But this is, a, this is a team that does not have a ton of experience, this program right now, a ton of experience on this stage. And it showed. It, it showed uh, in the late going of the first half. Uh, but that's that's just my opinion. Shit like this happens, man. You get bad breaks. Guys get hin- injured. You get a call go against you. I think you have to be able to respond quicker. Next man up, get in there. Amir Reap, don't commit a goddamn pass interference penalty. Here's your opportunity, man. Here's your opportunity, kid. Get in there. And instead, it was almost like I, I felt like Ohio State sulked. They felt sorry for themselves for the last four minutes and 47 seconds of the second quarter. And it cost them. It cost him all the momentum. Paige, you said it yourself in the, the halftime interview with Ryan Day going in half him. He had trouble shaking it off, which I found disappointing because he's the leader. Yeah, he's he the did. emotional leader. You can't show that. You, you can't if you, you just got to be able to bounce back from that. If you're, if you're ready to win a championship, you have to be more resilient, in my opinion. Any other comments on that, so, guys? So what that ultimately Paige, means, go ahead. What that ultimately means is that we were all wrong, right? Because we all thought that we were the battle-tested team. Yeah. We played on the big stage. Clemson had no, uh, you know, no tough games all season long. And when whomever on the other side gets punched in the mouth, we would be the team that responds. Mm-hmm. It, didn't, it, did, it did not turn out that way. Well, and actually, we truthfully, though, it did start out that way. It started out. It, it started certainly out looked way. like it. Yeah. It started out yeah. that way. Well, yeah, but I, I agree. It totally started out that way. But you know, you don't, you don't get to hoist the trophy after the first quarter. You got to play four. <laughs> no, didn't do so, it. but they, but the, to the point of they came out and they looked, they looked like they were suffering from the lack of competition because we took it to them. Yeah, but that weight. I was envisioning weight, a blowout. But that weight thing was a huge t- t- turn of momentum mm-hmm. in a way that. And I think also it snuck back how much the secondary suffered when Wade was yeah. not out the, the Michigan game. Yeah. I think that crept in as well. Well, that's a good point. That, that's, it had a lasting effect on, you know, they, Clemson continued to exploit the middle of the field where one would think Wade, where he typically patrols, right? I mean, maybe Travis Etienne doesn't go wild on those short passes for touchdowns if, if Wade's in there. I think there's a good reason to suspect he wouldn't with a player of Wade's caliber in, in the middle of the field. You know, they had to rely on a young guy like Josh Proctor more than they wanted to. And boy, he had an awful night. I didn't realize how bad he, he was until I, I, I did a rewatch of the game yesterday. And Clemson continued to victimize him over and over and over again for big plays uh, in that game. So that is a really good point, Matt, that, that 
the, the long-term effect of losing Wade was huge. It really was. They're not the same secondary without him. Hey, Tim, I want to go back to you. We, we, you've, you've, you've been quiet over there for a bit. What, what is your reaction to everything that's been said since, since you last spoke? No, I'm just fucking stewing. Um, you know, look, I think there's a, I, I think there's a, a material difference between getting punched in the mouth and getting run over by the officials. Uh, one thing you can control the other one you can't. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm sure every player on that team believed that, you know, the targeting call again may have been by the letter of the rule, but the rule's wrong and stupid. And, you know, to lose, probably your most important defender, maybe outside Chase Young, um, yeah. you know, is obviously difficult. And I agree with Matt. It's just not the effect of that moment, but it's the effect of the whole game. Uh, and then to have a touchdown call back. Yeah. Uh, and then, yeah, to yourself make some mental mistakes. Uh, it, it's difficult. But, you know, you live by the sword and die by the sword. And they calling for a very aggressive punt block where we really didn't need to do it. That guy was punting out of his fucking end zone. Yeah. Um, you know, I... I don't blame him for it because, on the other hand, he makes the fourth and two call to, to go for it, and they throw a touchdown. Yeah. So, you know, I, I'll take the aggression. Yeah. Um, you know, I just think that there's probably some discipline around that, you know, they needed to be a little bit better on. You know, understand yeah. that, you know, if, if you guys run into the kicker, like, the momentum's going to swing the other way. Yeah. Um, but, it, but, but that shouldn't have been a personal foul, though. Yeah, that's another... Yeah, debate we can have that I it could agree. have been easily called a running into the kicker and not the personal foul variety. You pulled up and it would have been fourth and one. Yeah. Yeah, we, we did yeah, not so get listen. any breaks. Uh, there were very few breaks. I mean, I think if we're talking about an Ohio State win, let's say Alave goes right instead of left. Let's say that to me, by the way, looked like the exact same play call on the fourth and two touchdown play. To me, it looked like yep. they got the one-on-one coverage they wanted and it was Alave on a safety and it was going to be what looked like almost a carbon copy of the touchdown earlier in the fourth quarter. Let's say Alave makes the right, he, he, you know, he, he finishes his route, makes the catch, touchdown. What are we talking about today? Ohio State gritted out. They got a tough win without any breaks at all. <laughs> I mean, they got none of the 50-50 calls went their mm-hmm. way at all. Uh, you know, there were no Clemson mistakes, really, that they could have taken advantage of. Uh, there were just very, very few breaks. So it, it was really tough from that standpoint. They they got nothing. The, the football gods gave them jack cool. shit in that game for sure. Yeah, but, but, but why is that, Zach? I mean, honestly, like, you guys got to remember, Watergate fucking happened. Benghazi happened. These things happen. Like, I don't believe for one fucking second that it was just coincidence that we didn't get a single break. Give me a single break that we got. Give me one. We didn't didn't didn't. get one. They got them all. They they got them all. And some of them, I can believe, were just breaks. Others of them, I don't believe for one fucking second that that was not coordinated. Not for one second do I not believe that. Okay. Okay, so, so Tim, Tim, so how high does it go and who's coordinating it? No, he's goes getting to, all that. Go ahead. I, seriously. I'm, Mike, Mike, again. I mean, why? Okay, yes. the, the counter to that is who doesn't want a high state in the, in the finals? Dude, there's ESPN, 80 million ESPN. of us. Yeah. ESPN does not want that. Dude, we drive They're bigger simple. ratings. Yeah. Dude, <laughs> nobody draws bigger dude, than Ohio dude, State. Dude, they nobody. own the ACC network. They own the SEC network. 
but but this game isn't played on the ACC network. It's gone. That's it's done. We're beyond that. We're it's in the played, playoffs. No, it's played on eyeballs ESPN. at this point. It's played on ESPN. You're looking for eyeballs. Yeah. Who gives you more eyeballs than Ohio State? Nobody. Nobody. More money to the universities for the big game. More money for re-upping for keeping the keeping your network, your conference network on the the ESPN. So there's that part of it too. Hmm. There's more. There's more money to those who go to the final game. Uh, not a little bit of money. A lot of money. Hmm. Well, I can't jump on board the conspiracy. Uh, the conspiracy argument, but. You know, you guys are all entitled to your opinion. Tim, you're certainly entitled to your opinion. There, there are some compelling points you're making there, but I just uh, that's just not how, what I saw in this game. I, I didn't see a conspiracy. I did see, I did see some, some officiating mistakes, to be sure. Uh, and, and I will agree that from, we did not get any from breaks. An SEC, from an SEC staff who <laughs> is owned by ESPN. <laughs> I'm just saying. When you, when you connect the dots, they're not that hard. Yeah. <laughs> Chad, what do you have to say? Oh, man. I, you know, I this was going to make me feel better, but now I'm even more sick of my stomach just thinking about all this shit. <laughs> I'm just, you know what? I'm so bummed out because I, I truly believe we, we were the better squad. This team was fucking destined for greatness. And, you know, yeah, I don't know, man. I really don't have much more to say. I'm, uh, I, I'm, I'm with you, man. I've been saying this all year that I thought this was the best Ohio State team of our lifetimes. And now, on a positive note, and I know we're losing a lot of our secondary, but I feel like our team next year is going to be as good. And so we're just going to have to fucking do it next year. All right. So, so disagree, I like that. Disagree. <laughs> don't don't. I think so. Let's go. Uh, well. You're, All right, you're forgetting about uh, you're forgetting about Ronnie Hickman, a five star, like number two uh, cornerback in the country, freshman this year. He's going to be a sophomore next year. There's going to be we've got defensive backs that are going to fucking make it up, dude. Our defensive line is going to be better next year. You've got Vincent, you've got Togai, you've got fucking Toronto Haskell Mitch, Garrett. You've got all these. Yeah, what? Haskell Garrett was yeah, another. I mean, I'm yeah, telling you. yeah, yeah. So we're, okay, we're, we're going to be. I'd like to go there. I actually want to spend a little time talking about next year and and this, the starting eleven on both sides of the ball. Let's 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 put that on the shelf just for a second, guys. And I wanted to just talk a little bit about what each of you guys really liked out of the Ohio State performance because I think there was a lot to like from what we saw. And Chad, thank us, thanks for taking us into a positive direction here. Let's let's move on. If you guys are ready to move on from conspiracies and officiating mistakes and Ohio State mistakes. Let's move forward to what we actually liked uh, from what we saw in the game. Um, Tim? I'm to gonna, be clear, to Ohio be, State got fucked. That's the last thing I'm going to say. <laughs> All right. So we move forward. <laughs> Ohio <laughs> State got fucked. Period. Right. Duly noted. <laughs> Duly noted. All right, so Tim, I'm going to give you a little, a, a, a couple minutes to collect yourself. Mike, what? <laughs> What did you like out of the performance uh, on Saturday night? Give us give us a list of things that you 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 liked seeing. We shut down their corners. I mean, um, Arnett and Akuda. So mean, I mean, mean, Ross the, and Higgins were yeah, they're wide receivers. Invisible. Yeah, you, you mean Clemson's wide receivers? receivers. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Our corners shut them down. 
Yeah. Agreed. That I was really proud of. Um, you know, they, we not only that, we beat the shit out of them. Just like, like Tim was saying, I'll agree with that point. We did beat the shit out of them on, on the corners. Mm-hmm. Those guys weren't themselves. No. We took them out of the game, more or less. I think, you know, they didn't do anything. Mm-hmm. Um, so I thought we did well there. Um, I was impressed with the play calling, the, the aggressiveness. It was a chess match. We were, we were taking it to them. They wasn't backing down. Um, and hats off to their, their coaching too. They've been there before. They, they knew what to do. They, they didn't panic. Mm-hmm. I was not surprised to see them come back, but, but we hung right there with them. And I was, I was pretty proud in, in the way we, we bounced back on that last drive or in the fourth quarter up until that point, we had not gotten, I think we got stopped on like five third downs in a row, something like that. We were old for five. Right. Uh, in a second, third quarter stretch, the last in the fourth quarter, with the exception of the defensive series, we came back and we were right there. Mm-hmm. And we were, despite all those bad plays, all those bad breaks, conspiracy notwithstanding, we were right there to win. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, and they were defending champs and they were good. Yeah. They, you know, we didn't think they were going to fold. I had dreams of a blowout, you know. We would have gotten a couple of those breaks. Maybe would have stepped on their throat, and they, they could have folded. Every team's got a breaking point. Yeah. And uh, we could have done it, but anyway, we were in a tight game. I know you guys are thinking it's the worst loss in Ohio State history. I don't quite see it that way. I see a lot of the other, you know, the other championship losses way worse. The blowouts way worse. Mm-hmm. This one, I, I won't watch the classic when it comes on the first couple of times it's on either. But <laughs> in 20 years, when it comes on again, I'll probably be, you know, fantasizing about this play or that play that could have won it. Well, and uh, I would love to. So you know they lose. Why would you watch? I like to. Play? <laughs> it, it, it was it was that good. It was a great. It was the best college football game. It's, take your Ohio State out of it. It was the best college football game of the of the, of the year, wow. and who knows what's going to happen in two weeks. But uh, you know, I, we could talk about that later. Mm. But uh, that was up to this point by far, hands down, the best best evenly matched two teams going at each other. They were carting people off. <laughs> you know, people were getting hurt every other play. Yeah. So losing a guy, I know we lost Wade was a big thing. I totally think he would have. You know, cut down Etienne and on at least one, maybe two of those screen passes. Mm-hmm. But um, you know, they had guys leaving the field. We had guys leaving the field. It was a battle. I mean, these it was these a great game. These semifinals have been total duds, and I think you could make the argument this was the best semifinal that's been played in the playoff era. I think Ohio State played the other best semifinal back in 2014 against Alabama. Chad, what did you see from the performance? that that made you feel really good justin fields that kid's a baller man i agree he was great the interception i mean yeah that was a miscommunication but that kid the stats in that game the kid the kid is a baller dude next year he's gonna and i'm not i'm not i don't want to sound like a next year you know kind of person but i'm telling you and that kid's a baller dude and our offensive line is just solid as fuck i mean and, and now that you've got you got Myers and you got Wyatt Davis both coming back. Yeah, that's got, huge. You know, Henry Miller. You, I mean, you just got all these offensive linemen. But I mean, you know, I, uh, you know, it was kind of crazy. Like, you know, there's a couple of receivers that you didn't see any of them 
you know, at all field. But, you know, our defense was solid. I mean, except for, you know, that, I mean, that, that's the last drive they had, man. That's just disappointing. There, there's no way a defense like ours that played the way they did all season long gets fucking butchered up in four plays. That, that, that just, that's just a mental breakdown. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I, I mean, the positives I take away from it, like I'm mostly is Justin Fields, man. Kid the baller, and I can't wait to see what he's going to do next year. He was great. Uh, just to back you up on your, on your point about Fields, I thought he was especially good in the fourth quarter when it really mattered. 12 of 15 for 132 yards. He, you know, that, that touchdown pass to Olave in fourth and two, that was... The ball was right on the money. Ice in his veins. That was a big-time throw. Yeah. Uh, he was, he was a, really never played a big game like that. Oh, yeah. He was excellent in the fourth quarter of that game, 12 of 15, 132 yards. Uh, Mr. Gallagher, what did you see in that game uh, that you really liked? Well, it's, it's along the same lines as what Mike said. I think that it's it, it's – facing adversity and toughness and I think they showed that I think that was one of Ryan Day's big things throughout the year and that team uh you know unfortunately had to deal with more adversity than any team should uh given the horrible officiating um and you know they didn't they didn't stop they didn't back down they had a chance to win it at the end and an unfortunate break um and they didn't but to me uh it's not even about that game um it's about what does Ryan Day take away from that game and instill in the players who are going to be on the team next year, which mm. there will be a lot, mm-hmm. uh, and so that they, if they're in a similar position, if they're in a similar dogfight, whether it's in the regular season or in the playoffs or in the national championship next year, that, that they can harness and get over the hump and either not make the mental mistakes or execute and make touchdowns instead of field goals or whatever. Like, to me this game has to be remembered. It has to be reviewed. It has to be taught and people have to own it. And more than anything, Ryan Day has got to own it and figure out how to, how to get over the hair difference that there is between Clemson and Ohio state right now. And it's only a hair. Mm -hmm. And, and that's what the takeaway from that game has to be is, you know, how do we learn from this? And he'll, I think he'll do a good job at it, and I think that they will. Um, I don't think we're going to have the personnel next year that we have this year. So uh, in some ways, I think offense will be better, defense will be worse, and we can talk about that. But uh, it's, it's going to be a different team. And more than anything, he's got to instill the messages from this game in the new team next year. All right. Matt? I don't know if you got the opportunity to do this on Sunday when we chatted on Sunday, but why don't you, uh, why don't you give us the positives that you saw out of Ohio State on Saturday? I mean, the positive is really on the line of what Tim said. I mean, you know, the, I, off, I'll get to that in a second, but just that, you know, I'm still like thinking Garrett Wilson's going to be just huge next year, just mm-hmm. from, a, from punt returns to both receiving. He is, you know, I mean, he's playing on a stacked receiving core, and he still made a really big impact. So I'm really excited about him, and he showed a lot of poise as well. Um, failure is a great teacher. You know, the thing that I work, you know, if I'm trying to make myself feel better is that is it, if they, we would have won and if we would have won the national championship in, our, in Day's first season, is that going to make him a better coach than if by what has gone on with Clemson? And creating this fire 
and this need to to push himself further and self-correction as well like you know losing his poise and figuring looking at the game and seeing how he taking note of his temperament and hit how he kind of lost it in certain moments of the game and is that going to make him a better coach so to me it's like i think that the shock of this is going to have a strong ripple effect more than anything on day and i think it's only going to make him a stronger coach i think it's going to make him someone who's going to be able to do more with less uh, because he's going to see what it's going to, he can have the best team, but he's going to need more than that to, to play against the elite team. So uh, I'm very encouraged. Like he's, he, it was the first time watching a team that had the talent and played like they had the talent with play calling defensive schemes. And it made it a joy the whole season. And that game was fun to watch because, you know, we, we could have, we could have packed it in and we didn't. And uh, executionally, we, you know, we missed some things on the last two series, but, uh, you know, I'm very proud of them, and you know the future's very. You know, I I can't wait to see how Day uses this, and like Tim says, harness it uh, for success going forward. All right, and Paige, why don't you tell us what you saw in that game that uh, that was positive? It's funny. Everybody said the same thing. I was thinking, I'm not worried about the players. I mean, I was thinking about, hey, you know, because we all do this. Like, what if they all just were so despondent and they came back? And then I was thinking, you know what? I, I don't want that because I want to see who these next guys are. I want to see them step up. I mean, you know, I mean, uh, you know, Sheffield and all those guys. And, and then Akuda steps in. And like, who are these guys? Because, you know, it's not like we recruit two and three star guys from Ohio. There's talent on this team. And I want to see the next wave of players come up, even if there's a drop off. And I agree with him. I think you're crazy if you don't think there's going to be some level of a drop off on the defense. This whole thing. All is about Ryan Day. That's all it is. I mean, to think where he came from to get to this point this fast, this quickly. I mean, remember, I mean, we don't even remember, but for years, Clemson was the laughing stock of the college football teams, right? I mean, they always got all these props, and the first time they got to the big stage, they would blow it year after year after year. Yeah, they called it, it Clemsoning. They called it Clemsoning, right? Clemsoning, yeah. right? Yeah, it, it took Dabo Sweeney nine years, I think, to close the deal. And now look where he's at. So I'm thinking to myself, where could Ryan Day go in nine years? I mean, everything's in place there, everything. The infrastructure, the recruiting base, the fan base, everything. And he's amazing. I mean, I, I was worried about him going into the season. I'm not worried about him. He's definitely um, going to learn from this. And to see where he can take this program, I, I mean, I wouldn't trade it for anybody. I wouldn't rather be Clemson. I wouldn't rather have Alabama's you know, future. The future for Ohio State with Ryan Day running this program, the sky is the limit. And I, I just think he's scratching the surface. And this game – well, like Sloaner said, I mean, failure is the greatest teacher. Um, I, I think in some ways, long term, was a better outcome for him. Mm -hmm. I, was, uh, I was at the airport on Sunday morning and I had some time to kill. So I bellied up to the bar and, uh, you know, had a, a mimosa. And there was probably like the Clemson version of me sitting just a couple seats down. The dude was, you know, decked out in orange and, and purple. And 
And um, have you guys ever seen that Spider-Man meme? It's a Spider-Man pointing at another Spider-Man version of himself. And then, you know, you can caption it any way you want. That was kind of like me in a scarlet and gray Spider-Man outfit and the, this guy in a purple and orange Spider-Man uh, costume. Anyway, so I chatted him up for a little bit and, you know, he gave, you know, big props to the way Ohio State played. And, you know, I naturally, I, you know, I, I told him I thought his team was tough and gritty and good luck at the next, you know, in the, in the next round. But one thing he said, I, I thought that was really, um, um, it was a really good observation the way he viewed what happened with Ohio State was um, similar to what happened with Clemson in the 2015 title game. If you guys remember, that was Deshaun Watson's first time uh, in that game with, with Clemson, and they barely lost to Alabama, right? They lost uh, uh, on the last second. I don't remember the circumstances exactly, but, you know, Clemson came back the next year. That was, that was Deshaun Watson's first year as a starter, if I'm not mistaken, with Clemson kind of similar to Justin Fields, first-year starter for Ohio State. He had them on the cusp, but they couldn't quite get over the hump. You had Alabama, the established championship team. So he said, this is very similar, man. He's like, I could see you guys bouncing back, you know, using this experience, learning from it, and being much better for it uh, the next time around. And I think Clemson and Ohio State, I would assume, would be, you know, your Vegas favorites to get back to the championship game next year. You know, Alabama's losing a ton of guys. Um, you know, Oklahoma's going to lose guys. So I, I think we're looking at Ohio State and Clemson as the favorites. I, I will say from the performance on Saturday, uh, what can you say about J.K. Dobbins on a bum ankle? You know, 174 yards, 18 carries. I know he got most of that yardage before he turned his ankle, but he came back in in the fourth quarter or late in the third and really, you know, uh, just showed just warrior-level toughness playing on that bum ankle. We've already mentioned Justin Fields. Chad, you mentioned him. I thought he was a warrior in the fourth quarter, 12 of 15, 132 yards. Um, I thought despite Olave's mental mistake at the end of the game that led to the game-ending interception, the Ohio State receivers were really good, and I thought they outplayed Clemson's more celebrated receivers. I mean, like, you, each guy had just a jaw-dropping catch um, that, that you can mention. Uh, you know, K.J. Hill had a what a third down and 14 conversion where he made a dude miss. And, and, uh, you know, uh, we had the Garrett Wilson acrobatic catch where he went up and, and made that, that beautiful catch. Um, so every, I thought the receivers were, were excellent and, and played outplayed a more celebrated Clemson group. And then finally, the Ohio state defensive line was still very disruptive despite a really quiet game from Chase Young. I thought Davon Hamilton, Robert Landers, and, and uh, in the telecast, uh, Kirk Herbstreit commented on how disruptive those guys were on the interior. Zach Harrison started the game at, at defensive end opposite Chase Young. I thought he had several nice stops on Trevor Lawrence for no gain. Tyler Friday had a sack. Davon Hamilton had a sack. Uh, they had a big third and short stop on Travis Etienne in the first half. Uh, that was largely due to the, the play of, of the defensive line. For the game, Etienne finished with 36 yards rushing. And, you know, credit to the defensive line largely for that. So I thought they overcame, a, you know, a, another quiet performance by Chase Young. Credit to, to, to Clemson. They did a good job of limiting Young. So I, I came away feeling very positive about all that stuff and, and then much of the stuff you guys have already mentioned. Um, th did I leave out anything or did we leave anything out, guys? Any other positives that you'd like to mention before we move on to next year? 
Hey Z, did you uh, are you and that guy uh, your Spider Man? <laughs> yeah, now? yeah, we we exchange numbers. We're uh, you know we're we're, <laughs> we're Snapchatting each other every no, five I, minutes. No, no, no. I just we. you know. Um, but uh, anyway, no, nah, it was so I, yeah. I, as you guys know, I was there. I was at the game, and um, you know, I, in the end, I was glad I went, even though it was disappointing. I will say though, like I'm not sure in the future. I'll probably do that again, go to a national championship game or a playoff semifinal. But I think I'm going to be a little bit more judicious about, you know, where the game is played. The pregame fan experience was awful. It was terrible. Well, first of all, it was 45 degrees. It was freezing in Phoenix. Like, what good are you to me, Phoenix, if you're not going to be 75 and sunny, right? Or 80 and sunny. (laughs) You're just another vast middle America wasteland of suburban, just, you know, wasteland. Um, but just the one like big kind of alumni sponsored Ohio state pregame event was, and I, you know, I was texting you guys about this was at this club and it was terrible. I mean, they were playing, they had two DJs playing one inside and one outside. They were playing the worst EDM you could possibly imagine at, at like 3am levels and I just, a couple times I had to remind myself like, why am I here? Why am I not on my couch? watching the semifinals so next time around like i'm gonna be very i'm gonna be much more like selective about you know which of these playoff sites i go to like phoenix uh i'm sorry it was it it left a lot to be desired um anyway little side commentary on that so let's well i'll never understand i mean it's phoenix and the roof was closed right yeah yeah it's not a retractable dome it's the 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 yeah, but they can open up part of something, or at least they used to. It, maybe at one point it was, but I looked at, I, I actually took, I made the point of looking to see if it was retractable. It's not. It, you can tell it's it's permanently sealed uh, with the, the girders yeah. and, and steel bars up there. There's no way they could open it. Yeah, it, it's out in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. It's not a great experience at all. No. Uh, Glendale. No, that's surprising know. being something from Arizona not being that enjoyable. <laughs> <laughs> um, the, the other thing, I, I honestly, I enjoyed the experience last year uh, when Ohio State played TCU at Jerry's World. And of course, that's another playoff site is and, and, and it's kind of a similar setup, right? You've got the game is actually the stadium is actually in Irving and it's it's about a 15 mile drive from dallas but i stayed in dallas i actually really enjoyed dallas at least where i stayed yeah texas is a fun state like when we toured like the worst place always was like scottsdale or phoenix yeah always horrible yeah people the places the things to do just suck but texas top to bottom always fun yeah that was fun tim have you ever traveled out to uh to glendale for any of these playoff games or championship games no, you know, I get asked that all the time. And uh, my my answer is that to me, there's no higher game that you can go to than in the shoe. Yeah. And probably of, of all the games in the shoe, it's the Michigan game, right? Uh-huh. So to me, to, to go to travel wherever I have to travel to, whether it's Atlanta or New Orleans or Phoenix or Dallas, to sit in a mixed crowd at mm-hmm. a stadium that's not the shoe to your point, I'd rather watch it on my couch. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think what I might have done differently, because it was a two-hour flight, it was super easy from San Francisco. I would have just, I should have just flown the morning of. And, you know, just, I didn't need to fly the night before. That was just kind of a waste of time. And, and certainly, like, there was nothing, at least within my, you know, 
age range as a middle-aged guy, there was nothing that interested me at all in terms of pregame fan experience. I ended up at a fucking Damon Busters watching that first semifinal. That's how desperate it got. And I was like, okay, at least this place is clean and it's big and they got enough bartenders and I can order a drink and, uh, you know, there isn't a, a, you know, a line, you know, 25 dudes deep to use the bathroom. But uh, yeah, anyway, just that's just a little aside. I think I'll, I'll be more selective <laughs> next time around when I travel for these games. So let's spin it forward and look to 2020. Tim, I want to start <clears throat> with you. You've already mentioned how there is, we should probably expect a drop off on the defensive side of the ball. How do you see the the roster in 2020? Well, I haven't looked close enough to be able to tell, you know, what I think the roster is going to be. What I'm just looking at, and look, my view is the offense will be better. We've got the offensive line back. We've got great receivers. We're going to have Fleming coming in. You're going to have a year under the belt of fields. So the offense will be better, which is fucking scary. The defense, though, there's no way that you can lose Arnett, Okuda, Wade, Harrison, uh, Young, Mm -hmm. um, yeah, Hamilton, uh, whoever the rest of the people are that are going to Landers and be better. Like, I realize you got good people coming in. They're going to be inexperienced. But and let's face it, like our defense was good this year. They were very good. They were significantly better than the year before but that defense gave up 96 yards or 94 yards in four plays mm-hmm. yeah i yeah. mean yeah that 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 amazing defense with all those amazing athletes that are gonna play on sunday still you know i i to me of all the things that happened in the game like i just i can't understand how we couldn't put up any resistance to to Lawrence and Clemson at the most critical time yeah, with was... all those kids who are going to play on Sunday. Yeah. Uh, so I'm viewing the defense will be worse than this year. Uh, and so what does that equate to? Uh, you know, that equates to probably there being a bunch of games next year where it's going to be a track meet where we're just going to have to score more points than people. And we probably will but it's not going to be confidence building to be beating teams 45 to 38. Yeah. Okay. Chad, how about you? What, what, what are you, what are our prospects for 2020 in your view? I'll be honest with you. The, I, uh, I, you know, inexperience is going to definitely play a part, but these kids are like, so at linebacker, just to start there, you've got Browning coming back, Dallas Gant. We got uh, Mitchell, who's gonna he's gonna play through. He's gonna come through. That kid, he's a beast. You got Pope. Uh, you got that Cade Stover. Werner's gonna come back. Um, you know, defensive line. I mean, you've got Jerron Cage. You know, Haskell Garrett, um, Jackson, um, Tommy Togai, Vincent. You know, guys like this. And then you got your defensive backs. I mean, you you got you got. You know, Amir coming back, which, you know, I don't, you know, whatever. But uh, you got Tyree Johnson, freshman. You got Cameron Brown. You got Seven Banks. Um, and, you know, Ronnie Hickman. That kid's a five-star player. And I agree with them about the inexperience. But these kids are elite players. And I think, you know, honestly, that uh, we're not going to see much of a drop-off, in my opinion. Because they're going to have Madison and uh, Washington are going to have these kids ready to go. Um, he's going to hire, you know, top notch and I hope it's Combs. 
get him out off the Titans and, and get him back to Ohio State. Um, but, you know, I mean, I, our defensive line, I mean, I think we're going to be solid, man. I don't yeah. think we're going to take a step back. It might take them like three or four games to start the season to get their groove, but I, I, I think we're not going to see much of a drop-off because you've got Zach Harrison on the end. Mm-hmm. You've got Cooper coming back. You know, it's uh, – you've got – I mean, there's like, you know, there's there's other guys that, that I know I'm missing on uh, the defensive end uh, position. Jonathan Cooper. Uh, Did you Tyler mention Jonathan Smith. Cooper? He'll be back. John- yeah, John Cooper. you got yeah. Tyler Friday. you yeah. got Baptiste. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Tyree Smith. I mean, I'm telling you, man, we're going to be good. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm excited, man. And our offensive line is going to be sick. You know, I, I, I think Master Teague is going to be great. And, and don't sleep on Marcus Crowley, dude, but as a backup. And, you know, I think they're going to pull one of these kids, um, uh, that, that Georgia Tech commit who, uh, is visiting Ohio State. He's already, he was at the Ohio State Michigan game on an unofficial, but he's going to take an official to LSU, Florida, and Ohio State. Um, the kid's name, I think, is Gibbs, I think, if I'm not mistaken. He's a four, sometimes a four or five-star recruit. Um, so I think they might flip him. Um, and, you know, of course, you got Justin Fields. And our receiving core is going to be better next year than it is this year. Yeah, and I'm telling really you good. that some of those fresh, those freshmen are going to make – like you've got Garrett Wilson's going to be a sophomore. You've got Fleming. That kid's going to see the field immediately. Mm-hmm. Um, I, can never, I can never pronounce his name. Like uh, G. Scott. Uh, Isababa. Yeah, that kid. I mean, it's it's ridiculous. So I'm excited. I'll stop talking about somebody else, but I, I'm super excited about the team next year. All right. And okay. you know don't what forget about Mookie Cooper. <laughs> That's right, Mookie. <laughs> Send the Mookie. <laughs> but uh, I do want to say one last thing, man. I, I do want to thank the Buckeyes. They gave us a special season. Yeah, it ended in heartbreak, and, and it, it really blows. And I'm just going to sing for a long time, but. It was a fucking great season, man. Yep. I, yes, I love watching the season. So. Yeah, well, well said, it, man. Well said, uh, Chad. Uh, Mike, what, what what's your view of the 2020 Ohio State Buckeyes? Yeah, you know, it's hard to argue with the not losing something on defense with all those guys going. Um, I kind of feel like this team is going to be something similar to um, the uh, 2018 uh, year with Haskins, and uh, I think what did we go 11 and 1, 12 and 1 that year? Yeah, 13 and 1. Um, we lost that bad game to Purdue, and our defense was, wasn't as bad as the year before, but or, or were they? They were pretty bad, they were bad. They were, they, yeah, that was that, that's that season stands alone defensively as, as you know, an outlier, a huge outlier. They were awful. I think that had more to do with coaching. I don't know who we're getting now. I think our coach is going to uh, Boston College now, right? Yeah, yeah. So half, that's, uh, that's still TBD. That's a big. Uh-huh. That's a big determining factor for the 2020 campaign, actually. Yeah, yeah. I think he got outwitted on that last series. Just to go back there for a second, um, you know, Okuda. I know somebody mentioned Okuda had a bad missed tackle that that uh, really stung, and then uh, Etienne went on for the took the screen pass in the rest of the way. Um, but, you know, it, this is why I think it was a little weird because we, I did not think a one-point victory was going to hold up. And even when they get, we pinned them down at the four, uh, you know, they had four downs now, and all they have to do is move within field goal range of a pretty good kicker. I, I thought it would have been worse to die a slow death and have them kick the way, game-winning field goal. Instead, <laughs> they scored – easily and then we got i was like at least we got the ball with plenty of time here so i wasn't that i know 
four plays, 95 yards. What the fuck is that? But I don't know. It was one of those weird things where a one point victory didn't feel like it was going to hold up anyway. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I think our offense can be much better there. I could see fields having a, a Joe Burrows type year and, and their defense is not that great. LSUs. We'll see in the next game, yeah. but we could look a lot like the LSU looks this uh-huh. year with our big time quarterback and big time receivers. So uh, okay. our defense may just play to the moment. That's a good analogy, actually. Yeah, I could see that. They need to figure out running back. Uh, I'm not sure. I'm a little worried about running back. Master Teague kind of, you know, as the the competition got better toward the end of the season, you know, he put up a lot of garbage time yards against second team, you know, defenses against, you know, overmatched opponents late in games. But as the, we saw less and less of him as the schedule got tougher and he really just looked like, I mean, the, the difference between him and Dobbins against Clemson was night and day. He, he looked really uh, kind of out of his element. And, and I'm, they're going to need a running game, obviously. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what develops there. Is there a transfer portal, transfer portal you know, acquisition they might, they might uh, look to make in the offseason? Um, but I agree the passing game and the offensive line is going to be very potent among the best in the country right up there with Clemson. I don't think there'll be any other programs outside of those two that'll be quite that pon- uh, that potent. Uh, Matt, what, what do you see coming in 2020 for Ohio State? Give us your thoughts there. Well, I'm looking at it from another angle, and I'm looking at our schedule. And really, there you kind of judge our schedule by our away games. And our two most notable away games is the second second game of the season versus Oregon, and then um, at Penn State. We also play at Michigan State, but we can't – that's not really much. That's not going to be much of a problem because their program is suffering. Now, we had that gauntlet this year at the end of the season. Well, this year, at the end of the season, it goes Indiana, Maryland, Illinois, and then Michigan. So uh-huh. it goes from hard to soft, really soft, like limp. <laughs> um, so I think that we're in a conference and we saw it's like we had it this year where our offense and defense, we could cripple you. I think next year our offense will be better. So it'll be very much like Mike's point about LSU is like, can you score more points than we can? And I don't think my, any team in the big 10 is going to be able to do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, we, I think yes, the defense will be a concern, but, I'm looking at these teams. I don't think the offenses that we're going to be playing against are going to be a concern. Mm-hmm. So, um, I, you know, we should run the, the table in terms of big, the regular season and should make it back in the playoffs, which should be our goal every year, obviously, and working for the championship. But, I'm, I mean, there's nothing of the teams of any type of burgeoning talent. I mean, Oregon will be a good, like, vanity game, even though we all know that Oregon – really doesn't have the talent that we do hmm. but they have a name that's going to look good on our resume especially playing at a, an away game mm-hmm. so uh, i th- you know it looks very favorable yeah you can't every team brings its own identity and you know the 2015 team had their own identity and they peaked when it mattered and hopefully this next year the 2020 team will peak when it matters as well all right page give us your outlook for 2020 do we, do we play Wisconsin next year, Sloaner? No. No, we don't. Yeah. So who, who on that schedule worries you? Maybe at Penn State. 
Maybe. Yeah. Well, that yeah. And that's always a tougher game. Yeah, for that's sure. A tough game. Yeah. But other than that, yeah, I, I, conceivably one loss. Um, but that's it. Um, we just have better players than every other team on our schedule, Oregon included. Penn State will be a tough game. Um, but yeah, I think anything more than a single loss will be extremely surprising. And I do expect our defense to maybe slip a notch, but they're not going back to where they were two years ago. That's not happening. That's again, I said it in the first part of the year, someone's going to do a documentary on that year (laughs) and uh, 30 for 30, like with Greg Chiano, what happened there? (laughs) They they still have too much talent, Uh you know, not to be a top 20 defense. I'm sorry. You're Ohio state. If you can't be a top 20 defense, Every single year, then there's something, you know, systemically wrong. So a drop-off, yes, but not precipitously on defense. Offense is going to be great. Definitely, I see that team maybe undefeated, one drop, one game maximum, but making the playoffs. And then once you're in the playoffs, anything can happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's nice that their tougher games are sprinkled a little bit more evenly across the schedule and not all bunched up. Um you got yeah. You're at uh, Autzen Stadium, uh, week two against Oregon. That's a tough place to win, but certainly a game we with Justin Fields and our experience and our playmaking ability would we'd expect to win. We get Iowa this year in Columbus. That's the first time we get them in Columbus since 2013. There's there's a a potentially tough middle part of the schedule, the black and blue part of the schedule, which starts with Iowa in the shoe going to East Lansing to play Michigan State. Now, that program is headed kind of in the wrong direction, but historically, that would be a tough game. And then at Penn State the week after, Iowa at Michigan State at Penn State, not the easiest gauntlet. You know, Iowa will play us tough. It's impossible to blow that team out the way they play. Um, and then, uh, yeah, and then it's nice that they're not going to they're not gonna have to play a Michigan State or a Penn State before they get the Wolverines at home. Um I'm having a look at the depth chart now. I think Ohio State's going to be very good along the defensive line. They're not going to have a Chase Young level defensive end, but I loved what I saw out of Zach Harrison in in the game against Clemson. I thought he was very active. I thought he made some uh, excellent plays on I know two at least that I can remember that went for no gain uh, on Trevor Lawrence when he tried to slip out of the pocket for a run. I thought he was good. So they're going to lose on the interior, Davon Hamilton, Robert Landers, and Jay Sean Cornell. Those guys rotated on in the interior. All three of those guys are seniors. They're gone, but they're replaced by Tommy Togiai, Haskell Garrett, and then one would expect we'll get a healthy Teron Vincent. That was a five-star recruit. He's been hurt all year. I like that rotation of big guys on the interior of the defensive line. On the outside, you're going to get Zach Smith, or sorry, Zach Harrison, Tyreek Smith, Jonathan Cooper will be back to provide senior, what, redshirt, I think he's like a fifth-year senior uh, leadership. So I think they're going to be very good at defensive line. Uh, They're returning two starters at linebacker, uh, and and I think they have some guys that can fill in uh, Malik Harrison's spot that that I think could be very good for them. In my estimation, the question is in the secondary, and I wasn't all that encouraged uh, from what I saw from Ohio State reserves in the secondary throughout the season. Amir Reap, Seven Banks, Cameron Brown, Josh Proctor. There were some nice moments, I think, but between those four players, Proctor probably had the, the, the more good moments throughout the season. But, boy, he got torched 
three different times at least in that game against uh, Clemson. Seven Banks, Amir Reap, to me, they don't look like guys that are future elite corners. They look like good, solid, serviceable Big Ten players, but I don't know that there's a star among them. So I don't. does Ohio State look to the transfer portal for a player there? Um, so that, to me, is the question. Now, I mentioned this on Sunday's pod. We've kind of seen this before where Ohio State loses a bunch of kids on one side of the ball or the other, and we're all asking ourselves, well, how are they going to replace these guys? And the Ohio State's recruited well, and a kid emerges we haven't really heard much about to be a star. Or a kid that was just kind of okay, a young player, works hard in the offseason. You see this huge leap from one year to the next. They end up finding these guys, finding replacements. The, the, the analogy I used on Sunday, Doug LaMarie mentioned this, was after the 2005 season. You know, LaMarie is like, well, how are they going to replace A.J. Hawk and Dante Whitner? And lo and behold, there's James Laurinaitis and, and Malcolm Jenkins. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't write off the defense just yet. I think it's absolutely huge for Day finding Halfley's replacement. That's very important. As I said on Sunday, Day had said in his press conference after Halfley took the BC job, he was going to go out and find the best coach in America. Let's hope that's, that's Kerry Coombs or somebody of that ilk. That's huge for them. Um, but I think they, could, they have the potential to, to be a very good defense, if not elite Good enough with an elite offense, it might be just good enough to get back into the playoff and, and make a run. Guys, any other thoughts on 2020 before we, uh, before we wrap well, it up? One thing about the defense. Go yeah, ahead, Chad. One, one last thing, Pete. The defensive backfield, don't, uh, don't sleep on a couple of these kids coming in like Ransom, who could see time on the field as a true freshman. Because they're, out of our, our recruiting class, there's 19 of them that are enrolling early. Uh-huh. Ransom is one of them. There's a couple other kids. So you just, you good just point. never know. Those kids are so. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. We haven't seen a lot of really young guys make splashes in the secondary historically. I'm not saying it's not possible. And I think if there is a season where a, a young guy, a true freshman, could make an impact in the secondary, it might be this year. Because I just did not see enough from Amir Reap, Seven Banks, Cameron Brown, to make me think those guys have a solid grasp on a starting spot going to next year. I think those positions are up for grabs. So you make a good point there, Chad. Maybe a, maybe a true freshman comes in and surprises everybody. Guys, anything else anybody wants to say before we wrap it up? We're at we're over we're a minute 17. Pretty good effort, I'd have to Who's, say. Who you guys got between uh, Michigan and Alabama? <laughs> uh, LSU asked. <laughs> Wait, LSU and Clemson? No, Michigan yeah, and Alabama. Let's take yeah. that game. All right, yeah, let's okay. Alabama's Alabama's going to wipe the floor with Michigan, yeah. please. Yeah, yeah. All right, oh. Tim. So, who do you like in the national championship game? Uh, I actually like Clemson. Wow. Okay, Clemson. Uh, but, I don't know what the line is, but um, you know, I think I think LSU's defense is suspect. I think the Oklahoma game showed nothing. Uh, and I think Clemson's got more balance. Uh, you know, Burroughs had a great year, but I think of those two teams, I think Clemson's the better team. And I think afterwards, when you catch Dabo on, a, on an honest day, he's going to say that the tougher of the two games was the Ohio State game. That's how it's going to go down. All right. Okay. LSU is minus five and a half right now. Chad, how do you see that game? Give us a pick. I think LSU beats them by two touchdowns. 
Yeah, that's that's <laughs> okay. All right, uh, Matt and and Paige, I, I, we already have your picks, right? You guys both like Clemson in that game. Am, am I was I right about that? That's correct. Okay, uh, Mike. Correct. Mike, how about you? Who do you like in that game? Um. Yeah, you know, I um, Clemson. It, it's hard to say. They they look like a championship team. They they knew how to win that game. And uh, they could do the same thing to LSU, even though LSU is probably more talented on at least one side of the ball. Um, it's hard to see how they're going to stop them. But, um, yeah, I'm going to have to uh, – who else is going – you know, I'll go with LSU. I think they'll, they'll somehow squeak this out. Just on the only – based on the fact that we beat them up so badly that they're still aching and two weeks isn't enough to recuperate. Okay. All right. So you like LSU. Um, I like LSU yeah. as well. They're, it, it's a veritable home game for them playing in New Orleans. I think that's a factor. Uh, Ohio State put up 516 yards of total offense on this Clemson defense. As much as I love our offense, I think LSU has a better offense. I think they're, they're more potent. I think they have better receivers. Um, Burrow is just having as good as just, I wouldn't trade Justin Fields for the world, but Burrow is having a, an, an otherworldly out of body experience this season. I, he's a surgeon. Um, I actually like LSU in that game as well. And, and I like them. Uh, I, I like them to cover uh, in that game. I, I like, the, I, but I, I will be rooting for Clemson um, just because if we're going to lose, I'd, I'd rather lose to the, you know, the, the future national champion, the eventual national champion. All right, guys. Hey, look, great effort. Uh, I, I hope this was therapeutic for everybody. Um, we'll find some other reason to to do a pod here soon. Maybe we uh, we cover some Ohio State basketball games uh, as as the the Buckeye basketball team is on a hell of a run. Uh, thanks so much for making the time. Happy Happy yeah. New Year to Happy all of you guys. Happy New Year, everyone. Okay. And look forward to the uh, Tim Gallagher executive producing Oliver Stone's next movie about <laughs> yeah the call. <laughs> Good. No, it's really simple. I'm gonna I'm gonna broker a deal. The Big Ten Network's gonna get sold to CBS. CBS is gonna fucking buy the playoffs, and then guess what? We're gonna get all the fucking calls. That's how it works. <laughs> all right. On that note, on that note, Happy New Year, boys. Have a great day. Happy New Year. Go Bucks. Happy New Year, boys. <laughs>